0: Welcome to the Mission Driven Podcast, the show designed to empower, educate, and encourage you to stay focused and committed to your mission. I'm your host, AC Cristales. Let's get ready to roll. Welcome to the Mission Driven Podcast. I'm your host, AC Cristales, and I am back for episode 16 of the podcast. And this, this is the last episode of 2019. Man, I'm here in the studio right now. It's actually my birthday. So, uh, you know, yeah, right now in the studio, even on my birthday, because again, I want to make sure that I put out you know, another episode that I promised last week, because again, it's all about consistency and it's all about doing what you said you were going to do. So again, here I am a little disappointed. I have, I have to be honest, a little disappointed. All right. Because um, not, not because it's my birthday, but two things happened just right now. The bears, I'm a big Chicago bears fan. They lost, right? So the bears lost. And not only that, I play fantasy football and I lost, I mean, I was in the championship game And I lost by less than a point. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. And I even had the opportunity to win. Uh, Mitchell Trubisky threw the ball to Allen Robinson. I had Allen Robinson on my fantasy football team. Allen Robinson could have caught it. He didn't. And therefore, I lost. So. There it is. <laughs> I had to get that out of the way. I'm sorry. I just had to get out of those bad vibes, you know, before I start recording before I start recording this podcast. So anyways, you know, we're here a couple of days before Christmas. Again, today's uh, December 22nd is when I'm recording this podcast. I'm going to go ahead and jump right into today's topic. And today's topic is on optimism or more specifically, the importance of optimism for your personal and professional growth. Now, if you're familiar with the music that I played at the beginning of this episode, then you already know that it comes from one of the greatest movies of all time. Definitely one of my favorite movies ever, The Godfather, El Padrino. So for the next 80 seconds or so, I want you to listen to the dialogue exchange between Don Corleone and his son, Michael, that will serve as my reference point for today's episode.
1: I knew that Santina was gonna have to go through all this, and Fredo, of... Uh, Fredo was, uh. And I never, I never wanted this for you. I work my own life. I don't apologize to take care of my family, and I refused to be a fool, dancing on a string held by all those. Big shots. I don't apologize, that's my life, but I thought that... But when it was your time, that... that you would be the one to hold the strings. Senator Corleone, Governor Corleone, something. Another person who Well... This wasn't enough time, Michael. wasn't enough
0: time. We'll get there, Pop. We'll get there. We'll get there, Pop. We'll get there. Off the bat, that statement expressed from Michael to his father after listening to him lament that he never wanted this life for him jumps out to me as one of optimism. Now, I'm not here to break down The Godfather, but I quickly want to provide some background information on the film so that you can better understand the context in which this conversation took place. Don Corleone, the first voice you heard in the beginning of the audio clip that I just played, was the head of an organized crime family, the Corleone family. Now, for those of you who may not be familiar with what organized crime is, simply put, it's a more formal word title for the mafia. And yeah, the mafia definitely has some negative aspects about it. But for me, the reason why movies like The Godfather and Goodfellas and a TV show like The Sopranos resonates so much with me is because of the culture of family that is prominently displayed throughout these works of art. So it's not so much about the violence or the crime. Again, it's about the family, the culture, the tradition, the attitudes, ideas, beliefs and environment that we inherit from our parents and ancestors. And more importantly, you know, all those things, those are the things that play such an important part in developing who we are and who we become as individuals. Now, if you watch films like this, right, like The Godfather, with a closed mind, you're going to fail to see the many lessons that we can get from them. But for me, right, for me, when I watch them or re-watch them, I always seem to find things that speak to me so clearly and so loudly because I connect them to some part of my life. And a big reason why I believe that I do that is because information alone has a very, very short life especially in your memory. So think about this. Think about the things that you've watched. Think about the songs that you've heard, articles and books that you've read. The ones that really resonated with you, the ones that last more in your memory, are the ones that you're able to connect to your life. Now, please understand, I'm not telling you how to watch a movie or how to listen to a song. You know, sometimes you just listen to a song because it has a good beat, right? And and sometimes you just watch a movie because, you know, somebody else said that it was a good movie. So you, you have to watch it. But the way that I do it, again, is I want to find how I connect to this song, how I connect to this movie. Right. And so I'm simply telling you as well that much can be gained in experience when we're able to connect the information we're receiving to some part of our life. And when we connect right when we connect the information that we receive to some part of our life. Then what we read, what we see, what we hear, and most importantly, what we learn becomes relevant to our lives. Now, back to this exchange that a father and son were having in the audio clip that I just played in it. Don Corleone expressed how he never wanted this life for Michael. And what was his life? This life he was referring to was the mafia life, the life of crime, of violence. And it was something that he did not want for his son. But because of experiences and choices in the film, Michael becomes a part of that life. Now, please know that I'm not doing this plot description justice, okay? I'm giving you just quick points about the movie, specific, just so you can relate to this clip that we just listened to, all right? And so I want to talk about what Don Corleone told his son, okay? So there's a couple things that I took from that exchange, all right? Four things, actually. The first one is this, is that, Don Corleone, the father, never wanted the mafia life for his son, okay? Number two, however, he knows, he knows that what he did, the type of work that he did, he he did it to take care and provide for his family. There was no apologies, you know? He was like, look, I had to do what I have to do. I had to do what I had to do to provide for my families, and I don't apologize. Number three, yet... What he still wanted, right, so again, didn't want the mafia life for his son, knows that he had to do whatever he had to do to provide and take care of his family, and yet, what he wanted for his son was for his son to be better than him, to do more than him, and that maybe one day, right, Michael would become senator, Michael would become a governor, but nonetheless, this is the last part, regardless of what he wanted for his son, he found himself fighting The only thing in life that is undefeated, and that's time. And so he tells Michael, he says, Michael, there just wasn't enough time. There wasn't enough time. Now, I've never had the privilege of having a heartfelt conversation between a father and a son like Don Corleone had with Michael. Because, you know, if you've been listening to this podcast, you know a little bit about my background. I was raised by a single mom. And so there's not really many conversations that I can remember that I had with my father and the ones that I do remember are frankly ones that I wish I could forget but regardless of that you know regardless of that fact I'm letting you know that because that's part of my story and maybe it's part of yours too or maybe it's not maybe you have had the luxury of having deep and heartfelt conversations with your dad and if that's the case be glad because that's a great thing, okay? And you're blessed. But if you're like me, perhaps you've had conversations or similar conversations with your mom, right? Maybe, again, your dad wasn't a part of your life, but your mom played both the role of mom and dad, or maybe your grandfather was a part of your life or your uncles. There was there was some figure, right, that spoke to you and told you how, hey, you know, I, I want this for you, or this is not what I want for you, right? So I want you to think about that, right? As we you know, jump as we dive into this, right? I want you to think about, hey, you know, have I had conversations with this, with somebody, you know, who's older than me and who has told me, hey, this is this is what I want for you, okay? And so let's get back into the Godfather. Let's get back into this dialogue. And though I can find some similarities between the conversations with my mom to those that Don Corleone had with his son, I don't think they've ever been as deep as the one that we listen to, okay? And maybe that's just because it's Hollywood. Right. You know, and as Destiny Chavaria pointed out to me in my last episode. Right. I mean, Hollywood, you know, will throw in some some dialogue there. Right. So but, you know, that conversation that we listened to was very deep. Right. And and in thinking about this and preparing for this for this podcast episode, I was like, man, you know, I've had some conversations with my mom, but it's never been as deep as the one that we just heard. But again, maybe that's just Hollywood. Right. But regardless, regardless, the connection to this part of the film for me is simple with regard to my life. You know, many times my mom has told me how, you know, she she never wanted a certain life for me. Now, obviously, the life she was referring to has nothing to do with the mafia, right? It has more to do with the life that she lived, okay? So my mom grew up poor in Peru, and though she came to the United States in her early 20s, she never made it to a point where she was financially well off, okay? You know, most of her life, she's had the claw, she's had to struggle to make sure that her boys, right, my brother and I were taking care of, and I love her for that, so yeah, you know, the struggles that she's had to endure, right, working menial jobs as a janitor, on top of having a nine-to-five job, making Guatemalan tamales, baking cakes on the side, cooking meals for other people to provide, right, to get income to provide for my brother and I, you know, to even being laid off at times, because, you know, of her age, as she got older, or, Even, you know, being laid off because she didn't really know the English language. You know, those are things that she struggled with. And again, I'm sure. okay, I'm sure without a shadow of a doubt that that was something that she never wanted for us. Right. Which is the reason why she worked so hard. Now, my mom did what she had to do. You know, she did what she had to do to provide for us. Yeah. You know, she. Again, she worked certain jobs that, that she probably didn't like, and you know certain things that, that she did that, I'm sure became monotonous. But you know what? I can tell you this: She makes no apologies, right? She doesn't apologize. She knows that she had to do what she had to do to provide for her boys. And so because of that, I can say that, man, the freedoms right that I have today and the privileges that i have today are not just a result of my hard work are not just a result of me going to college you know earning my bachelor's degree earning my master's degree working on my doctorate degree it's not a result of that it's not just because of that okay that's better put it's because my mom sacrificed and fought you know all the things that she did you know she sacrificed she fought for us and so that's why today I can experience so much because my mom fought for that. And if she hadn't fought or struggled to do whatever she had to do for me, you wouldn't be listening to my voice right now. So, I strongly believe that many of us, many of, you know, you right now who are listening, can say the same thing. You're experiencing things today because someone fought and sacrificed their lives for you to be able to have certain rights. And this is something that I always tell my college students. You know, I always tell them this, look, And what I love about teaching at the college where I teach at is that I have students from various backgrounds, various ethnicities. And, you know, and I tell them this, I said, look, 60 years ago. All right. 60 years ago, the classroom that we're sitting in right now. okay. so look at your classmates, look at your peers, look at the person next to you, look at the person behind you, in front of you. This wouldn't have happened because, again, in our classroom, you know, we have so many different ethnicities represented. And so we wouldn't be sitting and learning in a classroom together because of the way things were 60 years ago, segregation and racial biases. And so I tell them this, that someone fought for us to have that right. And now we're able to experience and celebrate diversity together. I also tell them this, I'm like, look, man, (laughs) 60 years ago, 30 years ago, man, even 15 years ago, I guarantee you probably wouldn't have had a Latino college professor. You wouldn't have had a Latino minority working in higher education. You know, you probably would have had, you know, a Latino, you know, working as a janitor or maintenance person. But somebody, you know, as a professor, it wasn't heard of, you know. And so, again, and that's not to celebrate what I've done, but it's to let them know that somebody has fought for that. So I'm thankful for the people who I don't even know who fought for me to have the privileges and rights that I have today. So right now, I want you to think about the people that you do know, your mom. Your dad, your aunt, your grandma, your grandfather, your uncle, somebody who has sacrificed so much for you that they've worked day and night for you. They've done jobs that they probably detested for you. And, or maybe they've taken risk, right? They've, they've taken risk in business with the goal to not just make money, but to create a legacy that will continue even after they pass away. And I think that's what most parents and caregivers do for their kids or for those who they have the responsibility to watch over. And I believe this. If you're listening to this podcast, you recognize that. You recognize that there has been one person in your life who has cared and watched out for you. It may not have been your mom and it may not have been your dad, but there's been someone who has spoken words into your life that have been oxygen to your soul. There's been someone who has whispered in your ear to never give up. There's been someone who has provided you their love. That is like a strong rock that can never be broken. There is someone in everybody's life. And just like I believe that most parents have done whatever they've had to do to provide for their kids, I also strongly believe that most parents want better for their kids than what they had or what they were. I know that to be a fact with regard to my mom and her hopes for me. Thankfully, she's always worked hard. right? She's always had to do what she had to do to provide for us. But again... I also know that the struggles that she had to go through is something that she never wished for me. Now, one of the things that she's told me, all right, I have to be honest with you. One of the things that she's told me is that now that my brother and I are doing well, you know, obviously we're done with school. We've been done with school for a while and, you know, we're, we're setting our careers, you know, that she can die peacefully. Now, I have to be honest, all right when she says things like that that's something that I don't like to hear because if there's anyone who should be enjoying her latter part of life it's my mom and so I don't want her to ever think that hey it's okay now that her sons are good and her grandkids are doing good that life is over for her no if anything I want her to travel I want her to go to the beach I want her to sip on a cocktail I want her to see the world I want her to eat some good food and I want her to enjoy the rest of her life but again I know why she thinks in that manner, because her thing has always been, I want my kids to be better and do better than me. And I love that. Okay. That's my mom. And in a way, you know, that same longing that she has, right, to, to make sure that, hey, her boys do better than she did is the same longing that, that I have for my daughter, you know, I want to continue to work my butt off so Isabella has opportunities that I never had as a kid. And in essence, so that will help her be better and do better than me. And again, I think that's just what parents want for their kids, right? They want growth and progress for their kids. And there's nothing wrong with that, especially when it's expressed in a way that is not forcing or damaging to a child. So, yeah, you know, I can say that most parents want their kids to do better and be better than them, but... What happens, right? I have a question. What happens when you have this desire, this aspiration, this yearning, and there's just not enough time? Now, allow me to be transparent on this one, all right? So in February of 2020, all right, just about a month and a half away, it's going to be six years, okay, to the date that I left my position as an assistant principal. And at times throughout this season of podcast episodes, I have mentioned how people called me crazy for leaving my career, how people laughed at me for chasing after my dream, and frankly, how people try to discourage me from going after what I felt and still feel is my God-given purpose. But here's the thing about discouragement, okay? It hurts more when it comes from someone you love. People who barely know you or who just have a working relationship with you or who may not even know you at all, you know, they can say discouraging things to you. And yeah, it may sting, but the stronger you get mentally and emotionally, the more their words shouldn't make a dent or difference in your life. So yeah, you know, you have people who can tell you stuff, but you know, it stings, but it really doesn't matter. But, but when the opposition, when the. Discouragement. When the dejection comes from family or a close friend, man, (laughs) it does more than sting. It hurts bad. It's painful because what hurts the most is when pain comes from the people you love the most. And even though family should be our safe haven, sometimes the reality is that it's not. It's really the place where we experience our deepest heartaches. Now, why do I say that? I say that because as much as I love my mom, and if you've been listening to this podcast since episode one, or you've heard me speak live at a conference, or you've watched me on YouTube, you know I love my mom, all right? But my mom has a different mentality than I do. She doesn't really believe in taking risks, at least not like I do, okay? And so when I told her that I was leaving my position as an assistant principal, she was worried, and rightfully so, okay? I'm her son. And again, she wants me to do good. She doesn't want to see me struggle. So, of course, in the midst of her conversations right before I decided to leave my job as an assistant principal, you know, six years ago, she brought up questions like, are you sure you know what you're doing? Um, Why are you wanting to do that? You're doing good where you're at. So what's up? Like, really, you sure you want to do that? And to me, when she said those things, that screamed, you don't believe in me, mom. Which may or may not have been the case, but it was hurtful because in the moment when when she asked those questions, what I really wanted to hear was, I believe in you, son. I know that you're going to do whatever it takes to be successful. I know that you have the ability and the capability to make the right decisions that will not put your life or your daughter's life, because I am a dad first and foremost, in jeopardy. But I didn't hear that. And to me, when I didn't hear the things that I wanted to hear, it hurt. Again, I wanted to hear, I believe in you, AC. You got this. But again, I can't wrongly assume that my mother was against me simply because she didn't respond the way that I wanted her to. And here's something for you as well. You can't wrongly assume that people you love are against you when they don't give you the support and encouragement that you need. All right. That's that's not always the case, because sometimes they just don't know how to provide that support and encouragement to you. So it takes communication, right? It takes you saying, hey, you know, let me just get this straight. You know, are you telling me that you don't support me? or Are you saying that because, you know, you're just trying to, you know, give me a a warning, you know, something. Right. But we don't always communicate, you know, and that and that's, you know, again, I can be honest and transparent with you. That's sometimes that's my biggest weakness is um, my inability to communicate, which is so ironic isn't it because here I am on a podcast and I'm like communicate all these things but yet when it's family or when it's someone it's with someone that you love and care about sometimes it's just hard to you know really say what you want to say right because I guess you know you're afraid of hurting feelings but man sometimes you just got to talk because if you don't then you get the wrong wrong idea or the wrong assumptions about things right and so again Sometimes when people, people you love respond in the way that you don't want them to, it's not because they, again, it's not always because they don't support you. It's just because they don't know how to provide the support or encouragement that you need. And sometimes it has nothing to do with you at all. Okay. They just treat you based off their fears and limitations. So again, let that be an encouragement to you. Sometimes you're being treated based off someone's own fear own limitations and so does it hurt of course but does it mean that they don't love you not at all again they simply can't see the things that you're going after okay so remember this remember this all right remember that just because some people can't see your vision that doesn't mean that you should give up pursuing your vision guess what (laughs) all right that was six years ago but but i gotta be honest with you and tell you right as we come to the end of 2019 I feel like I'm in a similar spot again. All right. Um, There's some great and new things that I'm plotting and planning for in 2020. All right. There are some opportunities that I'm exploring that I truly believe will benefit my my life and my family's life, you know. And so, again, when I've expressed that to my mom, there's been some unbelief. There's been some discouragement and again, it hurts. But here's another lesson that, that I've learned that i live lived by throughout my life. And it's this, whenever you have a dream, whenever you have a goal, there's something that you want to do. You don't just run off and tell anybody that dream, okay? Because telling it to the wrong person, right? If you tell it to the wrong person, they may just try and kill and sabotage that dream. But, you know, I trust my mom. And so again, there's some things that, that I shared with her about what I want to do in 2020, and her response to me, okay, was, why? Why are you wanting to do that? But here's a new one, (laughs) all right? Here's a new one. Here's a new one that just, she said a couple of days ago, you're about to be 38. And again, I just turned 38 today. You're about to be 38. And I'm like, okay, mom, appreciate that. Thank you for reminding me that I'm getting older. (laughs) But she told me, you're about to be 38. You shouldn't be thinking about taking any risks at this stage in your life. You're too. You're. It's. You're too. You're not. You're not young anymore. You know. And and when she said that again, I'm like, man, what's up? She doesn't believe in me. Why doesn't she believe in me? Why doesn't she believe that 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 I know what I'm doing? That I'm not just going to jump into anything, right? And so, yeah, I'm 38. <laughs> But it's it's crazy to even think that because number one, that's not even that old, all right. If anything, I'm getting better, all right. I'm getting better, baby. But <laughs> not only that, look, check this out, all right. If anybody, so whoever's listening to this, right? Maybe somebody told you, hey, you know, just give up on your dream because it's too late, right? You're you're already you're already too old. And what's crazy, if you're like twenty five years old right now and somebody told you you're old or you should have done that 10 years ago like seriously don't even listen to them even if you're 30 okay if you're 30 35 like seriously even if you're 45 here's why okay here's why I say that don't let people discourage you because of your age because listen to this list of people who have found their success or who found better yet found their success later in life all right number one actor Samuel Jackson You know how old he was when he found his first big break in movies? He was 43 years old. Caught his first big break in the movies when he appeared in Jungle Fever. How about Vera Wang, fashionista Vera Wang, who growing up and even in her, you know, 20s and 30s, she wanted to be an Olympic skater, but she failed to make the team. So you know what she did? At age 40, at age 40, That's when she entered the fashion industry. And so now Vera Wang has become one of the world's most respected names in fashion. And this person right here, this was surprising to me because I didn't know this. But Stan Lee, the godfather, pun intended, baby, the godfather of Marvel Comics, did not create his first comic until he was 39 years old. And now, because of his refusal to be denied from his dreams and from his work, We have Spider-Man. We have Black Panther. We have the Avengers. Come on. I love you 3000, baby. We have all that because check this out. Regardless of what your age is, if there is a dream, if there is a work, if there is a cause that you truly believe in and you truly believe is worth it, then baby, you have to fight for it. And I love what George Eliot said. It is never too late to be what you might have been. Let me say that again. It is never too late to be what you might have been. It is never too late to start your own business. It is never too late to find a person who's your best friend and makes you happy. It is never too late to travel to that city or country you've been wanting to go to. The only time when it is too late is simply when you've run out of time. In time, I believe that the older you get, the more you realize just how short time really is. And therefore, you understand the importance of not wanting to waste time, and you understand the importance of not taking risk or making mistakes that will set you back. And I believe that is where my mom is coming from. I think that when, when she asked me, you know, why I wanted to pursue what I want to pursue in 2020, you know, that opportunity, she was asking from from that context, that time, you know. And so she simply wants to make sure that since I am getting older that I minimize the mistakes and failures and struggles. And so, yeah, at first it disappointed me, but then in thinking about it, I was like, you know what? I can't stay disappointed, okay? You know, she simply didn't respond the way I wanted it to, but that's fine. Because now I understand that she's looking at my plans. She's looking at my goals. She's looking at my dreams with her lenses and not mine, right? So according to her, I should have taken those risks 5, 10, 15 years ago. According to her, you know, now it's too late. Now, you know, I just need to focus and continue working on my speaking and, you know, you know maybe get back into the administration. And I get it. I get it. But you know what? Check this out. <laughs> you know what guides my life? What guides my life is optimism. Optimism. That, man, you know, I, I see that opportunity. I see that opportunity. It's right there and I believe that it can work. That's optimism. So as we get to the end of 2019, I don't know how you're reflecting on it. A few episodes back, I encouraged you to find things that you're grateful for on a daily basis, that gratitude will be the characteristic, the trait that takes you to higher altitudes in 2020. But maybe as you've reflected, you've realized that, man, I didn't accomplish what I wanted to accomplish this year. And I simply ran out of time. I didn't lose the weight I said I was going to lose when I joined the gym or bought a Peloton. I didn't go back to school like I said I would. I didn't work on my resume and start looking for a different job to get out of the one that I hate. I didn't write the book that's been on my heart to write. I didn't take the necessary steps to take care of myself mentally and emotionally. I didn't take the trip I said I was going to take. And now here I am just a few days from 2020 and I'm filled with regret. Because there just wasn't enough time. And so this becomes true. When we reach the end of a day, when we reach the end of a week, a month, a year in our life, we'll always regret the chances we didn't take. But here's another thing. I don't want you to always focus on the chances you didn't take. What's done is done, right? Don't focus on those chances you didn't take. What's done is done. I want you to realize that though you may have missed opportunities, there are more that are coming and more that you can create. And how do I know that? And why do I say that? Optimism, baby. Optimism. So, yeah, maybe right now at the end of 2019, maybe you're you're Don Corleone, right? You're sad, you're solemn and you're thinking, man, there just wasn't enough time. But as you enter 2020, I want you to be like Michael. And say, you know what? We'll get there. We'll get there, Pop.
1: We'll get there.
0: You got to tell yourself, I will get there. I will do the things that I've been putting on hold. I will earn my degree. I will shoot my shot. I will find and accept help from people who want to help me. I will learn more to serve my employees better. I will do whatever I can to be a better leader, a better father, a better wife. I will make my school a tier one school. I will ensure that my students are successful. I will enter that competition I've been debating entering. Tell yourself I will get there. Now, I don't know what your there is and I don't know what you're chasing, but I do know that optimism is essential. For any leader who is leading their organization, their school, family, church, or group. And again, if you have people who look up to you for inspiration, for support, and advice, you are a leader. And if anything, remember this. Before you can lead anybody, you have to lead yourself. So optimism, essentially, is for everybody who wants to live a mission-driven life. A life filled with purpose and devoted to a cause that's greater than them. Because optimism, it's essential. And it's the factor that allows you to be innovative and creative because you believe that if you do something, it's gonna work. Oh yeah, it's going to work, it's going to impact, it's going to make a difference in someone's life. But you know what is the opposite of optimism? It's pessimism. And people who are pessimistic, they always think that something is not gonna work. But optimism, again, You think differently. When you're optimistic, you believe that you will find or create a way. When you're optimistic, you believe that things will work. So what are you? An optimist or a pessimist? I'm going to lay out three reasons why optimism is essential for your growth, both professionally and personally. Number one. All right, you ready? Take this down. So three reasons, okay? Three reasons why I want you to just... Take this lesson of optimism. Number one, optimism will help you take risk. So, are you tired of being stuck in the same place? You tired of just, again, being stuck in the same place? Have you ever wondered what would happen if you took that risk you're afraid to take? You know, I've been reading this book authored by David Brooks titled The Social Animal. And in it, he wrote about a study that reported that the mind is a cognitive miser. And what that means is that the mind doesn't like to exhaust and spend a lot of mental energy. Basically, the mind doesn't like thinking too much because it can be taxing, right? It can be exhausting. That's why people will stay in unhealthy relationships because they're accustomed to the same routine. And thinking about being alone or thinking about, you know, being in a different situation is just too difficult for them to fathom and comprehend So, again, instead of doing something difficult or, you know, just, you know, spending that mental energy and thinking, hey, what what would happen if I did leave this unhealthy relationship? People would just stay in it. It's also a reason why people will stay in jobs they don't really like for years and years because doing so keeps them comfortable. And doing so is also not going to force them to, again, spend their mental energy thinking about what they would do if they did leave their job. So basically, according to this book, the mind is designed to play it safe. Yet, as we all know, it is the challenges, it is the difficulties of life that actually cause us to grow. And optimism can help you if you're ready to grow and give you progress because optimism sees opportunity where many may see uncertainty. See, when you're optimistic, you can take that risk because you could see that it could work. Now, others may cringe and others may be like, "Mm, I don't know. I don't think so. It's not going to work. Maybe it's not going to work. But optimism says, nah, you know, I can see that opportunity. But the opposite is, nah, it's not going to work. And here are the reasons why it's not going to work. All right. And, And they'll list, right? They'll give you the list. Number one, you don't have all the experience. Number two, you're not good enough. Number three, you're not qualified. Number four, you've never done that before. All these excuses. And guess what? All these excuses are what pessimists say. You're not good enough, you're not qualified, or I'm not good enough, I'm not qualified. But I love this. I love this quote, and it's from Winston Churchill. And he said this Optimists see opportunities in every difficulty. So, yeah, check this out. Okay, yeah. You know, is it going to be difficult? It may be difficult, it may be tough, but guess what? I'm going to keep fighting. I may not know much about what I'm going into, but I can learn. And if I can learn and if I can get information and if I can keep growing, then guess what? I can live the life that I want to live. But as long as I play it safe, my life's never going to change. So again, as long as you play it safe, your life is going to remain the same. But if you're tired, if you want more, then guess what? You need optimism. You need to be an optimist. You need to believe that you will find a way. You need to believe that, hey, you know what? I'm going to find a way to make my life better. I'm going to find a way to live the the life that I want to live. I'm going to find a way to become a principal. I'm going to find a way to become a a manager of of my business. I'm going to find a way. And so optimism helps you take those risks. Optimism helps you believe that you will find a way. And even when there is no way, guess what? You'll make one. Number two. Optimism will help you see the big picture You know the saying Optimists believe that the glass is half full Pessimists believe that it's half empty Now I tweeted this out this past week And it's this Your perspective and focus Impact your life How you view yourself and how you view what you do Is extremely important to your success So here are the questions How can you lead and help others if you believe You're not worthy of doing that. How can you be successful if you don't believe that you have the ability to succeed? I'm not saying that, you know, having that belief is all you need, but it is a start. How you view yourself determines how you view what you choose to do. So can you see the big picture? If you're focusing on the negative things in your life, if you're focusing on your flaws, if you're focusing on your shortcomings, then guess what? You'll never see the big picture. And what is the big picture? The big picture is this. Okay, the big picture in our life is this, that the trying and difficult situations that we experience do not last forever. So let's say you invest your money in a new business and the first couple of months, months, you're not doing too well. When you see the big picture, you understand that. Guess what? It's not going to stay this way. Right. It's not going to stay this way. You know, yeah, I'm not feeling really good right now. But if I can just figure out what needs to change, if I can just figure out what I need to learn, then I know that what I'm feeling right now. I'm not going to be feeling six months from now or a year from now. Or maybe check this out. Maybe here's another example. Maybe right now, you know, you're, you're in a valley. You don't, you don't know what to do. You feel hopeless. You feel helpless. But check this out. When you, when you see the big picture and optimism helps you see the big picture, you realize that guess what? I'm feeling hopeless and helpless right now, but my life doesn't have to stay that way, okay? The big picture is knowing that my life can get better That the goals that I want to accomplish, I can do those things. That the dreams that I have to go to college and earn my degree, guess what? I can do that. I know money is tight right now. I know that, you know, maybe my citizenship status is a hindrance. But guess what? I can still do that. Because optimism helps you see the big picture. Like, okay, this is where I am right now is not where I'm staying. So you have to realize that you can make decisions to make your life better. And you may not always see the rewards. You may not always see the good things at the beginning, but keep pushing. Know that it is coming because optimism, again, helps you see the big picture. It helps you see that. Look, even though you've made some wrong choices, you can still get to the place you're wanting and designed to get to. That even though you face some tough times, you can still experience moments that bring joy and light to your life. Even though you've struggled and failed, you can still move forward and succeed. Even though you've been hurt and betrayed by people, you can still surround yourself with others who will love and lift you up. Where you're at right now is not where you have to be for the rest of your life. And optimism helps you see that. That this little trial right now is not going to compare... To where I'm going to be six months from now, a year from now. Number three, optimism will help push your efforts. I like the following quote from Colin Powell. And it goes like this. Maybe it can't be done. But always start out believing that it can be done. Until facts and analysis pile up against it. See, check this out. Some of you stop, some of you give up, some of you quit before even starting. It's no wonder that your life is stuck in a place where you're not happy with it. Because see, at some point you have to realize that unless you act and put forth action and give it all you got, things in your life will never change. This is where optimism kicks in. It energizes you to get moving because you believe it can be done. You believe that you can start that business. You believe that you can enter that competition and win. You believe that you can be a counselor at a school. You believe that you can go for that promotion and you're worthy of that promotion. You start with the belief that, hey, I can do it. And when you start with that belief and then you put forth your effort, well, guess what? Things start happening. So stop hindering yourself from what could be. Yeah, it's easy to see that others have tried and failed. But does that have to mean that you're going to try and fail? Yeah, it's easier to not try because if I don't try, then I won't get hurt. But guess what? Are you going to be happy with that? Yeah, you may not have the support that you want, but now what? You're going to give up because you don't have the support? Nah, baby, let optimism work its purpose in your life and let optimism serve as a push for you to keep moving or for you to get moving. All right. And don't tell me you really believe in yourself, your goals and your dreams if you choose to do nothing. Every day, you have an opportunity to act, to do something that will get you closer to where you want to be. And when you choose to do nothing, you've made your choice to gain nothing. Remember that effort is the best indicator of interest. If you really want something, you'll put in the effort. And optimism helps bring forth effort because you believe that the work that you're putting in will pay off and the reward will come. You know, in January of 2019, if someone would have told me that I would have started producing and recording a podcast, despite the fact that I didn't receive as many speaking opportunities as I did in 2018, I wouldn't have believed them. Why? Because I know myself. I know how disappointment can affect me. I know how I've worked so hard the past couple of years to build and keep the momentum going for my speaking business and to think that I would start something else knowing that I haven't spoken as much as I did the previous year, it wouldn't have made much sense to me, right? Why would I start another project knowing that I haven't been booked as much as I was last year? It's just, why would I do that? And guess what? A pessimist would be like, look, you see, count your losses. Don't start anything else. It's done. Like, seriously, you're just not cut out for it. You know, so go back, go back you know, become an administrator or, hey, like, dude, you're not even getting booked. So they're not going to listen to you. All right. And maybe they don't even want to listen to you or you're just not known like other educational and motivational speakers. And now you want to start a podcast. Like, seriously, man, you want to devote hours and hours of your week to encourage people. Come on, man. Don't you get it? You're wasting your time. But again, That's how pessimists would do things, but I'm not a pessimist. I started this podcast with a goal, and that is to help people all over the world to be better individuals, better leaders, better educators, better students, better parents with the goal to leave a positive mark in people's lives, to bring smiles to people's faces, to bring hope as I share my journey. That's why I did this podcast. Because optimism helped me see the big picture It helped me see that people will get blessed. And guess what? People are getting blessed as a result of my message and will continue to be blessed as a result of me giving my effort and taking risk. And yeah, it's a risk. It's a risk to put out a podcast and then have no one listen to it. But guess what? People have been listening to it. And so I can't stop because guess what? This world needs hope, you know? And somebody right now who's listening to this podcast is going to hear something in this podcast that's going to help their week go better, that's going to help their day go better. And so I can't stop. And perhaps right now you're listening and guess what? You need hope. You need to know that your life can improve. You need to know that your current situation doesn't have to hold you back from achieving great things in your future. You need to know that the pain you're feeling right now is not going to last forever that the betrayal that you experienced in 2019 will not compare to the love and care you receive in 2020. I want to give you hope that though time may have run out in 2019, guess what? You still have many, many more opportunities coming to you today, tomorrow, and in 2020. I want to give you hope and encourage you to be optimistic so that you can get there wherever you're there is. Because I know that within you, there's strength, there's courage, and there's greatness. You just got to let it out. There's still time, guys. We'll get there. We'll get there. And that's a wrap for episode 16. We will get there. The importance of optimism for your professional and personal growth. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. And for those of you who have supported me since the beginning, since August of 2019, thank you so much for sticking with me throughout the audio changes. And just know I'm so appreciative of your support. And I'm so thankful that you joined me for this 2019 podcast season. But what's more exciting is that there's more great content on its way in 2020, baby. In fact, Monday, January 6th, to be exact, That's when the new episode for 2020 will drop. So for the next two weeks after this podcast is published, there will be no podcast. But January 6th, we're back, baby. In fact, though, check this out. I want to just share this great excitement with you that in these next two weeks, I'm actually recording about three to four podcast episodes. And I have two great interviews lined up with great educational leaders are impacting students staff and parents and i can't wait for you to hear those interviews so if you're listening on apple Podcasts, please subscribe to the show and don't forget to rate and review it if you're listening on spotify make sure to hit that follow button and if you're listening on youtube make sure to subscribe to my youtube channel don't forget, you can also connect with me on social media On Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube At AC Cristales I'd love to hear from you So don't be afraid to say hello Thank you again for listening to this podcast If you listen to this before Christmas I hope you have a Merry Christmas And a Happy New Year Don't forget, the show returns For the 2020 season On Monday, January 6th. Be on the lookout for that As always, the mission is now, so remain mission-driven. Until next time, faith, hope, love.